Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's your boy, your big brother, your crazy uncle, the man who ate the last piece of pizza. It's me, Omizi. I got something I want to talk about. Come holla at me. Ain't no excuse. Ain't no excuse. I'm just coming on here saying I'm sorry. Life got in the way, and I'm sorry, y'all, but look, I'm back. Check me out. I'm back. Coming through here. I got something I want to talk to you about today. We want to talk about strength, being strong. What does it mean to be strong? Everybody's telling everybody to be strong, you know, and do this thing, and you can make it, man. Just be strong. I was told that all my life. You can do it. Just be strong, man. What does that mean? Being a strong man is what I'm supposed to be. Tell my daughter she's going to grow up and be a strong woman. You know, I tell my son to be a strong man. What does that mean, be strong? We think about people that are strong. First person that I would always think about was the Incredible Hulk or Superman. They were just impervious to damage and, and they were able to inflict more damage. And then the older you get, you realize that what the world kind of equates to strength is your ability to deconstruct, not your ability to construct something, not your ability to give birth or to create something. They equate strength to demolition almost. The more people you can beat down, the stronger you are. The more people that you can uh, uh, knock around, the, the stronger you are to, any, to anybody else, the more you seem to be a mighty, mighty man. Man, even in church, you know, it's you seem more mighty when you're bigger, when you're stronger, you know, physically stronger or physically impo- imposing. And sometimes they, they even put the mindset of, of 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 destruction on you though how many you can knock down or how many demons you can slay or yada 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 but what is strength true strength what is it what's the definition somebody tell me something you know um a lot of things going on in the world as of late and that's the main reason why I just stood back and just let some things go man I had some things going on in my mind you know, looking at different things that was happening in the world different events that happened of course the death of Nipsey Hussle somebody that I kind of knew of I never listened to his music did listen to it ain't my style um, I kind of knew of him from pop culture but uh, I also knew more of him from a lot of things that he was doing, you know, smaller things. I still didn't know the majority of the things that he was doing, but I knew uh, that he had took over the same block that he used to hustle on, and he brought it back. And that's when he first came on my ra- my radar because he brought it back, and then I found out about the store and clothing line, the mar- marathon. So I was like, oh man, he's doing a lot of things. And then you hear about this guy's death, and you know, and uh, different things that was going on. He you know, they talk about him being a strong man in the area, but then he gets murdered this way. You think they talk about his girl, Laura London. They said, Laura London, I'm sorry, saying that she's strong, you know, as she goes through this morning. And you talk about uh, different things that's been going on just in the, just in the world around. Um, had different people that's passed, passed away close to me just recently. And I'm just like, man, what in the world? You know, and they keep saying, I keep hearing that word strong come up. And 
I was really upset because with all the things that's been going on, you know, you almost feel like you're helpless. You know, and when you feel like you're helpless, the main thing you want to feel is strengthened, empowered, built up. And um, I thought that being strong and empowered, built up, meant that I can handle things. I can handle it all. So in my mind, in my manly mind, I just stepped myself up and started doing everything that I know to do. I started, you know, getting funds together. I started handling business, doing overtime, working two jobs, yada, 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 doing everything that a man's supposed to be, be doing. And it's funny to me because when you are hustling and you're making it happen and doing all these different things that need to be done, you feel the weakest you've ever been. Yeah, you might be stacking up money, or maybe that's just me. You might be stacking your chips. You might be getting money together, getting your paper up. But you feel an overwhelming sense of urgency. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And you even feel more weak. I was looking to listen to Will Smith talk about uh, why he does his work. And he says he has this complete and utter fear of failure. That one day he's going to go back to the moment when he was actually... um, when the IRS showed up and took away all this stuff and he was penniless, he was home, uh, not homeless, but penniless. He came off of a tour and came home to having nothing. He was flat broke right before he did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's a fear. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. What did you, okay, if it's a fear, then why is he saying that he, this is his strength? This is a, a strong thing. Okay, well, you know me. Anybody anybody who's ever been here, you know what's up. You know where I'm going. You know, I'm going to lock and load. We're going to go see what God says about this thing, okay? So um, what, I, what I did was initially I went to the first time I thought about I, I thought about strength and I was thinking about it. I kind of was looking through different books of the Bible, different things. And, of course, I always come to this one particular one. Um, one of my favorite ones where it's talk, talking about somebody who was a strong man. It was a strong man. I thought was strong. I did. You know, I believe he's a strong man. Mighty man of valor is what they call it, or mighty, mighty minister, you know. Minister Paul. Now, we know who Paul was. We know what Paul did previously. We know that Paul was a, uh, he was a, a, a quote unquote a lawyer. He was also, um, an oppressor of the of the men and women of God, the, the Christians. And he was a Jew. He was he he thought that what he was doing was right. He said, okay, they're going against the Jewish law. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna hunt these dudes down. And he was being strong in this thing, man. He was there's a couple of passages that are in the scripture where he was before he was Paul, he was called Saul, and he stood there, held the coats of people as they stoned another minister of the gospel, a minister of Jesus Christ to death. A prominent one, like his name was Stephen, he stood there while Stephen was being stoned to death and he smiled in agreement as they stoned to death because he thought he was doing the right thing. Not only that, he also committed some some uh, believers to, to death by uh, dismemberment, being sewn asunder, torn, torn into pieces, put in the gladiator arenas, all these different things. And he was on his way to actually continue Doing this, and what happened is he ran into Jesus. Boom. 
and all, his life was changed up. He ran to Jesus on the road to Damascus. And his whole life just got turned upside down. So we fast forward, and I'm just going to go to the point here in Second Corinthians 12 and 6, where he's talking about um, some things where he's, he's saying, you know, a desire to be, you know, you know, to to glory in God, and and I want to be like you want me to be, and I want to be this, and I want to be that, but something happened. He said there was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, something that was holding him back, something that was tormenting him, that was causing him problems, and he's you can tell almost tell his frustration in the midst of what he's writing in Second Corinthians. He's saying. Man, I went to God for this thing three times. Mike, he said, look, God, look, look, look. First time, God, I need your help. Second time, hey, man, I just talked about this. Third time, bruh, can you please help me? He went to God three times for this thing. The Bible never says exactly what it was. It could have been the guilt of what he was doing with dealing with it. It could have been even the fact that he continued to be persecuted and prosecuted. Paul spent the majority of his ministry locked in chains. He wrote he wrote uh, all the books that he wrote in the Bible while he was in prison, locked up. You know what I'm saying? So that might have been something. He might have actually had a physical pain and he still went to God. He was like, God, please work this thing out for me. Something has happened. It's, it's, it's wearing me down. He was At the beginning of the scripture, he was talking about he wished to glory in God. He wished to not be a fool. He wished to, to, to preach the truth. He wished to, that he would not hold up the truth inside of himself that uh, that, that that he would uh, he didn't want any man to think that it was about him, but to give him but to give God praises and to give them all praise to come straight to God. And he said he didn't want to even be exalted. He said he wanted God to get the praise through all of this thing. And he said and this thing just kept up on, kept up coming up on him. This thing just kept messing with him and messing with him and messing with him. And he was like, God, come on, man. I'm trying to do your will. Why is this thing on me? Please, God, remove this from me. And God said, No. <laughs> Yo, God straightway said no. <laughs> you ever prayed for something? Like with everything you got, you prayed, you sought God, and you foamed at the mouth, and you cried, and you, you even fasted and stuff like that. And God says no. But God, I really, really need it. God, I really need this thing. God, please help me. No. But God, I really love her. God, I really love him. God, I really want them to be with me. And I want our relationship to work out. Can you please just work this thing out? Just fix our relationship. God says, no. God, bring them back home. God, just fix their mind and fix this thing. God, help them. Don't let them get in trouble this time. Don't let them go to jail. Don't let them get locked up. God says, no. I'm not talking about something happened. I'm talking about God actually says, no. What you mean, no, God? I thought that if I prayed and I sought you, I thought that if I prayed and I sought you, God, that you would answer my prayer. I am, God says. And the answer is no. 
It's crazy because we often think that God answering our prayers means he's going to do exactly what we want to do. We forget that God is sovereign. God will do whatever he wants to do because God has a plan. When you say the scripture, he knows the plans he has for you. That means he has a set aside course of events that need to happen in your life. Steps that need to go about in your life to bring you to the expected end. And the expected end is for you to be blessed beyond measure, for you to fulfill his purpose in your life. And if your prayers do not align with that mess, or not with the mess, does not align with what his steps are. And if the thing that you're going through right now helps guide your mindset to where he needs to be, God's going to tell you that you're, the answer to your prayer is no. It ain't no, he may not come when he want to, but he's all, when you want him, he's always on time. No, God is right there at the very mention of his name. And he's given an answer at the very time you called it. And the answer sometimes is no. Man, that hurt. That hurts sometimes, man. To hear no when you really want something. To hear no when you, when you, you know, <laughs> often laugh about this one right here. I pick up my wife about this. I say light-skinned girls have a problem with hearing the word no. It's almost like getting stung by a bee when you're allergic to bees. They are physically unable to receive that. <laughs> Y'all, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I pick it down because my my um, my wife and my daughter, at times, you know, I say no, and they'll look at me with this like, "What? Do, what do you mean no? How dare you, sir, say no to me?" Um, so they tell them, "No, I ain't got no money. I'm sorry. We just paid for this. No." And they'll storm off and stuff like that sometimes. And it's all right. You know, it'd be cold in the world. It'd be an icebox where my heart used to be sometimes, you know. But it is what it is. Sometimes I, I got to say no to make sure that something else goes down the way it should. And that's the same way that God works in our lives. God says no in the time that we think we should have it our way. He told Paul, no, this wasn't something. He wasn't asking for a brand new car. He wasn't asking for some more money. He wasn't asking for anything. He said, God, I need you to remove this thing so I can go forward in your word and do what I'm supposed to do. And God said, no. So what so what he's going to say, God says, basically, he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean? This means that this thing is tearing Paul down. But Paul is being torn down. And as Paul is being stripped away by the heat of whatever he's dealing with, by the storm of whatever he's dealing with, is stripping away the outer layers of Paul and getting him weaker and weaker, Paul, the, the God inside of Paul is starting to rise up. Why? Because he has nowhere else to lean on but God. See, the thing that oftentimes holds us up is the fact that we think that we can handle everything. You know too much. You got too many thought patterns going on in your mind. You got too many degrees in your life. You've done this too many times before. You're too wise in your own mind. You got too much going on. 
you're not too much, boy. You got all this stuff in your head. You think you know everything. You know nothing. You think you got everything going on in your mind. You don't really know anything at all. Let's just be real. We don't know the future. We barely know the present. The, 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 the present that we know of is what's only in our direct vision. We don't have a complete scope of even the present. Hindsight is 2020. Present sight? I don't even want to try to come up with a fraction for that. Because you barely see. You, you have tunnel vision. You only see what you want to see. You know, whatever you focus on right now. So you don't know everything. But we will do so many things thinking that we know everything. And then we'll argue with God and tell God that he doesn't know what he's doing. Because I know better. Mm. The arrogance, Lord. The arrogance. Lord, I know better than you. Oh, I got this better than you, God. Let me just handle my business, God. You just let me handle mine. That doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. It's so arrogant. It's so sloppy. It's so silly. But that's how we think. And you know, we don't want to fess up. That's how we think. Because we think that it's just us being adults. And that's what we've been trained to do, to take so much on ourselves. But this is also why I have us going crazy now. This is also why some of us are, 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 are the, the, the suicide rate is so high up because we take on so much and we try to handle everything. This is also why the uh, marriages are breaking apart because we try to take on so much and we don't lean on our partners. We can't deal with each other. This is also why we have what I call, we have, I call it delusions of slander where we think everybody is coming after us when half the time people ain't even thinking about us. We think that everybody wants to, to do us harm and everybody wants to, to shut us down and everybody wants to talk down about us and everybody wants to kill us and everybody wants to do this and everything is geared towards haters. And it doesn't even matter because nobody is hating on us because everybody else has their own issues that are going on in their life. These are just delusions of slander. You think that something's happening. It's nothing happening in your life. But the fact is that God's allowed some things to come up. And he's getting you to the point to where you're going to relinquish it to him. Or you're just going to go crazy. These things will come up anyway. But God's trying to get your attention and say, yo, you need me. Hey. You need me. Hey, hello. You need me. You need me. God says that, no, my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now, he's talking about, he said strength, but he said my grace is sufficient. And we think about grace. We're thinking about a ballerina. Somebody dancing and, and free moving and twirling and beautiful and stuff. Grace is strength. Ballet dancers are the strongest, well, some of the strongest athletes ever. You would never even know it. Ballet dancers are the strongest, most athletic athletes ever. Why? Because they have to be able to throw their bodies in high leaps. And come down gracefully like a feather, like it's not all of their body weight coming down on their toes. They have to also grab each other and hurl each other up into the air 
gracefully on beat, on tempo, and then catch somebody and land gracefully on their friggin' toes. You can say a football player is big and brawny or whatever like that, and he's strong, but he ain't gonna land on his toes. You can say the same thing about like basketball play. They jump up in the air and they slam a ball and they're graceful. They look great as they jump up, but half of the time they're falling into the crowds. You will never see somebody as graceful and athletic and beautiful as a ballerina or a ballet dancer, even gymnasts. They don't, they don't do their moves graceful. They have grace in some of their moves, but a lot of their moves are power moves. And when they land, they land with a loud thoughtful, flat-footed. They lose points if they even hop. But a ballerina, they go up in the air, they spin, and they control their bodies mid-air, and they do all different kind of designs and things as they're in the air with their bodies, and then they land down on their toes. I keep saying that because y'all understand. I worked in a warehouse, and your toes are the first thing to go when you work in a warehouse, nobody knows the pain of bad feet like a warehouse worker. If you're walking around wearing steel-toed shoes, you know how it feels to have your to-, to put your toe into uh, a sock and have the sock catch hold of one of them toenails or something like that, or having the shoes be too tight and your toes rubbing against each other, and you're doing that, and you've been working around for 12 hours, and that pain on the corner of that toe, you know what that's about. Hairdressers know what I'm talking about. When you go up in the air, you, when you walk around, and you got to do all this, 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 this working, and, and these heads, and these braids, and stuff like that, your feet start to do the thing, trying to break up and turn to the side. Start to get what you call them bullions. <laughs> yeah. You know what it's like. So this is, but these ball, ballerinas and, and, and ballet dancers, they come down with all their weight on the toes. And you'll never know that half of their shoes are filled up with blood. But they have the power to look beautiful for our entertainment. And it's grace, which is there, it's the strength to continue to do it and to continue to do the job, even though there is pain present. The ability to persevere through the pain. He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. This thing that you're dealing with right now is not bigger than what God has put inside of you. And it will not outlast what God has purposed for your life. Because truthfully, you might be going through it right now, but it all, all the issues that are in your life have an expiration date. The only thing you have to do is to outlast this thing. But there are some things that God will miraculously just remove. But there's some things that you got to deal with because it builds character in you. Because if you're just given everything, then you're just going to be selfish and you're just going to be entitled. But you got to learn some different things about yourself just to get to the place that God wants you to be. You got to learn some things about yourself. You got to learn some things about your mind. 
how to deal with certain things, how to pray, how to fast, how to read your word, how to give the man. If it didn't come to if you didn't have any issues in your life, you probably wouldn't even go to church. Because some of us go to, don't go to church and we do got issues. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a, it's a simple thing here where God is trying to get something to us by allowing us to go through something. Now here, Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says that, okay, so since I got to go through it, I'm going to give God praise in the midst of it. And I'm going to just go ahead and keep pushing and do it while I'm going through this situation so that the power of God will come and rest on me. Now, the thing that it made me kind of think, though, I kind of, you know, was like, okay, so in my, you saw glory in my infirmities. Does that mean that I'm just going to sit here and wallow in what I'm dealing with? Well, in Romans 6, 1 and 2, he addresses that. He simply says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? It basically means that, you know, if we, that he's asking the question, he says, if his grace is sufficient, does that mean that we continue on in ungodliness, knowing that his grace is sufficient? No. Because we're supposed to grow from glory to glory. We're supposed to get stronger. We're supposed to get better. This thing was made to to build you, not for you to take advantage of it. You know, he says, because the wages of sin is still death. The way you said, what does that mean? That means that it's still a mess outside of this world. And if you and if you continue to do the things that are of this world, you're going to walk outside of the, the arc of safety and you're going to cause yourself to get caught up in some foolishness. Because there are consequences for your sins. You know, and he says here, no, we don't do this so that grace will abound. No, God forbid, we're not going to do this so that grace abound. He said, what we do is that we're dead to sin. We don't live that lifestyle. But if we make a mistake, if we trip up, we're not going to be condemned and damned to hell just because we made a mistake. Because his grace is sufficient for that. If his grace is sufficient for if his grace is sufficient for this pain that or this issue that Paul came to him about every day, three times he came to him. It annoyed Paul that much that he came to God three times for God to remove it. If it's sufficient enough for that, surely it's sufficient to cover you when them slip ups that happen. Check this. Do you know that God even took when God was creating you and God was creating your purpose and God was formulating this whole thing and he was engineering your, you, you and your mother's womb for his glory. And he was putting your arms together and putting everything together and your, your legs together and forming your fingers. He also took into account the stuff that it was a little too hard for you to shake. He was also putting into account your mistakes. And he allocated that all out in the plan for your life and said, yeah, they're going to make a mistake. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to give them a way of escape right here. And I'm going to give them some extra strength. 
I'm going to send somebody into their life to minister to them. I'm going to let somebody talk to them right here. You know, ain't that a blessing? God did that for you and me. He says his grace is sufficient. So when you talk about strength, strength is grace. He says he gives you your he gives you grace, strength, time to get it all right. What does that mean? Time to work this thing out. Time to get yourself to a point where you can shake the mess off of you. Grace is strength. It is strength to repent. Strength to turn away from. Strength to continue on doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. Strength to continue in God's love. That's what it is. It's strength and power. When you say be strong, it truly means rely on God. It don't mean you do it yourself. It means trust, believe, rely on God. Cause yourself messed yourself up. Hmm? Yourself messed yourself up. So you need to trust, believe, and rely on God. He is able, He is willing, and He can do it. He is your strength. Strength like no other. He is a power. Like no other, he can empower you in ways to deal with some situations that you don't even know. And you'll look back and you'll be like, how in the world did I deal with that? Well, because you kept moving and his grace was sufficient. You can do it. God's grace is sufficient. You can live it. God's grace is sufficient. You can walk upright. God's grace is sufficient. You can say no to that person. God's grace is sufficient. You can say no to yourself. God's grace is sufficient. You are strong enough. You are powerful enough. It even says that even in your mistakes. He says a just man falls seven times. But he is not utterly cast down. God picks him up by his hand. It don't even matter what he did. God says that he'll get you up clean you all because he has not forgotten about you and the finished work of the cross still works so yo check this quit all your little punk tail crying quit all your whining get up dust yourself off God ain't forgot you God don't hate you God said it's still Time to get to work. God says he has not forgotten what he said to you. He says you're not fired from your position. You're not fired from your calling. He said there's still your place available for you to get to work. People need to hear what you got to say. People need to be blessed by you. People need to need to stand inside you and see you going forward. Because if they know that you went through everything you went through and you're still able to get up, then surely they can get up too. The next thing here, check it out. He told G, he told Peter, he said, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. He says that your strength that you get after you get through going through what you got to go through 
It's not just for you. It's for your brothers that's in the back. It's for those that are coming up, going through the same thing that you're going through. Get yourself up. Get yourself right. Come on, shake it off. Shake it off. This thing ain't too big for you. This thing was meant to kill you, but it can't kill you. Come on. God loves you. I love you. Do your thing. Do the job. God got you. God bless. I'm out. All right, man. Thank you for listening to that last segment. We got a new segment here that we're starting up. It's a question and answers. Um, yo, people asking me stuff. People hit me up saying, hey, yo, music. What's good? I got a question for you. The question for the day is how do you get over somebody that you really, really loved? Truthfully, when it comes to matters of the heart, I'm just going to be truthful with you. It's a long time can heal all wounds, but also you got to really yield to the process of getting over it. Trying to play it off like you don't care anymore does not work. Trying to act like it never hurt to begin with does not work. You can try to go to church and 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 do all of the churchy stuff and everything like that and try to play it off like it does not work. It like it does not hurt. It does not work. You have to number one, you have to acknowledge the fact and the truthful part of the fact that there is an emotion, that there is a feeling, that there is a love, a connection there with that person. The second thing, you have to acknowledge the fact, come to grips with the fact that that connection has is broken or is severed. You're, and it's no longer the same, the same way it's been. You have to allow yourself to mourn the relationship. You have to allow yourself to go through that thing there. But then again, you have to put something in place of that broken that broken part in place of that because you sitting still and acting like ain't nothing going on. It's only going to make you go crazy. So I'm telling you now, you need to find something else to do. You need to find somebody else um, to take that place. I recommend Jesus. <laughs> I recommend you place Jesus in that spot. Don't get somebody else. Don't get some other person. Get yourself and place yourself in that part to love. Turn away from trying to make somebody else fulfill you. Find out who you are. Love yourself for who you are. Put Jesus in that spot. You know me. Anybody's ever listened to me, know me. You know that I'm going to recommend Jesus because he truthfully has helped me through all of my situations. Situations just like this. If you put him there, he's not one person who's going to use you, abuse you, or try to play you. People will do that. People will do that. This is why I say put somebody else in there. When I mean put somebody else, I mean put Jesus in that spot. Because he's the only one who can do everything that you need him to do. He's the only one that can heal that broken heart. You have to follow those steps. Acknowledge that there was a connection. Come to grips and acknowledge that the connection is broken. You have to get busy on bettering yourself. And you have to put Jesus in the, in the mix of that. In that empty space there. 
get closer to family do the things that you know you need to do to get yourself to get yourself in a better position work on you all right i love you god bless you if you got any other questions man hit me up amazing i'm out Yo, thank y'all so much for bearing with me with that. Uh, thank you for just spending your time. Yo, I appreciate it. I really do. So next time you got something you want to talk about, man, holla at me. Just say, hey, I'm easy. I just got a question to ask you. I'm open. I'm here. I'm listening. God bless, man. <laughs>